back when I was young, went up to Gen Con a few years, played D&D with Gary Gygax. So it was awesome. I had a, And I played all through college. I played when, my, when I was in the military. The world, when I DM, has been started back in like 78, 79. Oh, that's too cool. And it's just morphed over the last 30, 40 years. Welcome to the Interesting People podcast. Today, I'm joined by Mark Lambert. You are the founder and owner of Dragon Distillery, right? That's correct. Yeah, we're here in Frederick. Fantastic. Thank you, Mark. So, people haven't heard of Dragon Distillery. What's your elevator pitch? So, we are Frederick's first and largest distillery. We're a grain-to-glass facility here in Frederick. We do a lot of unique, different kind of products. We are actually the first distillery here on the East Coast to have done canned cocktails, which is something else that's cool we're doing. Plus, we are going to be opening soon our craft cocktail lounge, which is craft food, craft cocktails, games, so board games, role-playing games, card games, and axe throwing. What gave you the idea to, like, I got to start a distillery? I had a heart attack about six years ago and decided I needed to change up what I was doing. I was literally traveling international three to four times a month. It got really old. So my great-grandfather was a moonshiner. My grandfather moonshined. <laughs> my cousin may or may not moonshine. I've been around it a long time. At the time of after my heart attack, I'm wanting to reevaluate where I was going with things. Frederick didn't have a distillery, and Maryland only had a handful. Mm-hmm. So just decided this would be an awesome opportunity. Still get to do a lot of science, but also a lot of creativity and follow on in sort of a family kind of tradition. So you guys have like whiskey, vodka, gin, rum. What would you start with? So we started with our Bad Bill Moonshine, which is based on a family recipe. It's named Ooh. after my great-grandfather, whose prison picture's on the label. Oh, that's too cool. Uh, yeah, so, so we did that, and we also started with our ultra-premium vodka, Clustered Spires Vodka, named for the city of Frederick. <laughs> so what goes into that research? Were you trying other people's vodkas? Were you... So we, we did a lot. Yeah, I, well, I drink a lot. Uh, <laughs> so And, uh, you know, I know what I like. We wanted to make, you know, a unique spirits. We wanted to make something that was different. We quickly followed on with some, um, different flavors of vodkas, so... We have peppermint chocolate vodka, citrus vodka. We have a black cherry almond vodka. Ooh. So we do a lot of different cool combinations. And then, of course, our whiskeys, a bourbon. We do a rye whiskey that we do in collaboration with Flying Dog Brewery. Oh, really? And, yeah, we also do a um, blended whiskey, which is a bourbon rye blend named after the mythical Snallygaster. Okay, yeah, I got to ask you about that. So yeah. how quickly did you, like, I want to pay tribute to the Snallygaster. Well, you know, so my family settled in the Frederick area in the 1730s. Really? Yeah, so we've been here since, well, before Frederick, so yeah. a long time, right? And the Snallygaster has always been, you know, a legend. It dates back to the 1700s. As a dragon, we're dragon distillery. We just thought it would be awesome to name something after the Snallygaster, but we needed to come up with something that we thought was special and unique. And that's why we eventually decided on the blended whiskey. And we actually worked, there's a local author here in town who wrote a book about the Snallygaster. And so last year when we brought it out, we had him sign a number of books and we were selling like Snallygaster gift sets with a bottle of the whiskey, a Snallygaster glass, the book. With the infusion, I just like the creative aspect of this. Does this mm-hmm. play into like, because on your website it says you play D&D. Yeah, unfortunately, I've just been a huge nerd and gamer my whole <laughs> life. I started playing D&D right after it came out. So in late 1975, so dating myself. Back in the day, there was a big D&D convention called Gen Con, mm-hmm. right? It was held up in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin back in the day. Gary Gygax attend. So back when I was young, went up to Gen Con a few years, played D&D with Gary Gygax. Oh, um, wait, so, really? Yeah. So it was awesome. I had a, And I played all through college. I played when, my, when I was in the military. I still try to play when I can around. But now one of the cool aspects of our new Dragon's Den is we're going to be offering D&D games. Not only people can come in and you can mm-hmm. play whatever you want, but we're going to be actually running some D&D games. So we're going to have an introduction to D&D where for people who have never played D&D before, you can come in, 
We'll give you a quick introduction, create a character, run through a quick scenario so you understand what it is. We'll have some long-term campaigns going, and we'll have some one-shots available, too. So we're going to be doing a lot of cool stuff, but that will also give me a different uh, another outlet there for my D&D passion. That's See, that's always where these fall apart. I don't think people who, if they've seen D&D, maybe they saw Stranger Things or anything like right. that. The DM is always where this falls apart. So if you're supplying DMs and drinks. That's exactly what we're supplying. <laughs> so we are actually hiring a couple of DMs. Really? We'll be running games for us. And then I'm going to DM occasionally. I'd like to do it more, but I just don't think I'm going to have the time. But yeah. I definitely am going to be running at least one campaign there on a regular basis out of uh, Dragon's Den as well. Oh, my goodness. Sign me up. So it should be fun. So what did you, in D&D, where were you, like a warrior? So I typically have always played a wizard class. There you go. And then I've DM'd a lot. So the world that I've actually, when I DM, has been started back in like 78, 79. Oh, that's too cool. And it's just morphed over the last 30, 40 years. So it has a lot of history behind it, which is fun because as you go, you know, there's, when you're playing D&D, it's easy to then carry on with the story because I have all this history in my head of things that have happened in the world over the last 40 years. No, and that's the, it's like, to me, I'm kind of jealous of that because it's like when you hear about someone that's played in the same band since they were in high school. Right. It's like, I had a and d group, but we all went to college. Mm-hmm. So like those characters got packed away. So if you can keep that going, that is... Yeah. That's a special thing. Yeah, it's really awesome. That's really cool. And you said you also, you were in the military? Yeah, I was in the military for almost 10 years. I'm a disabled vet, got medically disabled when I had to get out, but I was in the intel field, so I speak Arabic and Persian. Really? What? So <laughs> that, that brain paused right there. <laughs> Did you learn that as yeah. a skill? or? Yeah, back? so after after college, my goal at that point was to work with the intelligence services. And of course, you get a recruiter who comes to your college and you sit down and talk with them and you're super excited about it. And they're like, okay, so you can see your transcript. Do you speak a foreign language? And I'm like, um, no, not really. And they're like, oh, well, that's okay. Do you have any military experience? And I'm like, well, no, not really. <laughs> and they're like, well, no, not really. Actually, it was one of those recruiters who suggested, you know what, killing two birds with one stone, military offers language. If you score well enough, you can go, they'll send you to language school. So I went out and talked to all the different branches of service. The Navy offered me the best deal. They sent me to Monterey, California for language school. So I went for Arabic, which is basically a full year of doing nothing but learning Arabic. Then I did some further training and ended up getting stationed in Greece, where I was stationed for five or six years, and uh, picked up Farsi along the way. So Really? That's incredible. So you, you know Farsi, you know Persian. I know taxi Greek, so enough to get around and order food. <laughs> Well, that's all. It's always fun to know another language. Are you still? Have you gotten a little rusty? Or yeah, my Arabic. I mean, I still read it occasionally, so I pick up newspapers. My my Persian is actually pretty strong. Both my kids majored in Persian at yeah. UMD. I feel very strongly that speaking a foreign language is really important. When my kids were growing up, we made it a point to take them overseas every year. They both learned French overseas, and they both then took foreign languages in college. So. I think that's incredible. It's always good to get the extra perspective. And the it, extra it really is. It's important. I but I tell you what, I have lived literally all over the world. I love Frederick. I yes. Would, I would never want to live anyplace else other than – I know it sounds weird. I mean, literally, I've lived in Athens and Spain and Italy. I've lived in on the West Coast, um, Midwest. But Frederick is just awesome. There is so much to do here. Mm-hmm. It is such a tight-knit community. It's very welcoming. Yeah. So there's – I mean, there's just so much I really like about Frederick. 
And that's, I think, one of the key things about Frederick that you see more here and then in other places is, like, the collaboration. You mentioned that you guys are doing stuff with Flying Dog. Yeah. It's like, I think, collaborating, especially with how much this industry has grown. And actually, is, which is awesome because, you know, our first uh, – so we were the first Maryland distillery to do a brewery collaboration. The first one was with Flying Dog. And they – Flying Dog, I can't say enough good things about them. They are just so community-oriented. They really want to help. We've done a lot of collaborations with them. We've also done – we did a really cool – Malt whiskey with barley and hops. Oh, really? That was a couple years ago. And then we also did, we've done some stuff with Old Mother here, which Mm -hmm. is an awesome brewery up on North Market. Linganore Winery, we did a brandy. We're doing a pear brandy with Fabioli Winery down in Luckett's, Virginia. So we try to collaborate as much as we can because it's just good for everybody. And it makes some really unique and special products. And the community really seems to support that. Oh, no. It's one of the most exciting things when you see, like, the two labels together. Like, oh, right. hey. Exactly. we got to talk about maybe my favorite thing I've had of yours so far mm-hmm. is the canned cocktails. I'm, I really love the canned cocktails. Now, it's, it's funny. So we were the first distillery on the East Coast to do those canned cocktails. And sort of they have a stigma to them sometimes. People think canned cocktails. And then they harken back to the days of Zima or, you know, flavored malt beverages, which, you know, there are people trying to make a mocktail. Yeah. And – we didn't want that. We wanted you to experience a true cocktail, like something when you would go to a bar, you would order, you'd make it home. So we spent over a year in development and research on how to get this done yeah. just because people aren't doing it. Mm-hmm. And we came up, and we have five in our portfolio currently. They're all extremely popular, easy to drink, so they're cans. They chill quickly. Yeah, They're consistent. So our Moscow Mule is going to taste awesome mm-hmm. every time you get it. We make a ginger vodka. And then we use Barrett's ginger beer from Bermuda and some lime. So we use real ingredients in there uh, so they have the mouthfeel of a cocktail that you expect. Yeah. They're not just a flavored something or other. Well, this is a crazy thing for me. It's like the gin and tonic in a can. I love it. So <laughs> the gin and tonic is probably now my favorite canned cocktail we've done, which is really odd because for 30 years I couldn't drink gin. I just don't like gin. Mm-hmm. Our first gin that we brought out, Joust Gin, is a New World gin. So it's not juniper forward. It's more lavender, lavender and cardamom forward. Gotcha. And so it is different. And it's, it's great for cocktails, but it's not well suited just for a gin and tonic. So when we decided to do a canned gin and tonic, we made a London dry gin and then mixed it with some lime and some tonic. And it turned out just amazingly refreshing. So uh, it's now go at home, sit at home on the deck Pop a gin and tonic, and it's awesome. I mean, that's one of the things I feel maybe we can have a quick moment to say, like, hey, friends, gin and tonics are pretty good. Yeah, they, they, they are, actually. Uh, and we actually just recently took a trip down to Deep Creek for the weekend, and we took a bunch of cans, you know, take them out on the boat. They're easy. You can put them in a cooler, especially for people who I love beer, but I'm sensitive to gluten now, mm-hmm. and so beer's more difficult for me to drink. Cocktails are awesome. It's neat to see that moving forward. Are there any kind of like dream cocktails you haven't had a chance Actually, to do we Actually, we have two more that are coming out really Ooh. soon. So we have a whiskey lemon tea. Oh, that sounds so good. So it's our uh, it's our bourbon mixed with our citrus vodka and iced tea. Dude. So I'm really excited about that. That one's awesome. We're also doing a Kentucky Mule. So Ooh. we made a ginger bourbon, a ginger infused bourbon for our whiskey club this year. And it was very popular. So we tried it out as a base of a Kentucky Mule, and it made it really nice. So we're, we're going to be bringing that out as well, a Kentucky Mule. I feel like every time I look at the temperatures and it's back in the high 90s, I want one of those. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been, unfortunately, it's been in the high 90s all summer. This consistently. Summer, right? consistently. Yes, I mean, exactly. well, let's say if, if, if you're adding a whole bunch of fun stuff, stay yeah, indoors. It, which is good. And, and uh, our rum punch has been a good summer cocktail. 
well as well. Yeah, it's a cool thing because I think it gives people an opportunity to just try some of these things. If they're a little afraid to like order it at a bar, all right, and try and, one of these things. And, and that's the thing. Also, one of the reasons we also did it is because up until recently at a distillery, we could pour samples of our spirits. And a lot of people don't drink straight spirits. So they come in, unless you're a whiskey drinker yeah. or you drink whiskey straight, People just a lot of people don't drink vodka straight or gin straight yeah. uh, or rum straight. So by making the canned cocktails, it gave us an alternative for people in, during the tasting. So, oh, if you don't like, don't want to taste it plain vodka, you can try this canned oh. cocktail. And then they can, they can envision how it would be if they bought our product and took it home and made a cocktail with it. It was a marketing idea for us as well, but it's just been amazingly popular so we were really excited about the opportunity with cans that's such a clever thing because i've been in those situations where like three out of the five people are willing to go up and try like the little bit of whiskey right you're leaving people out of there that's exactly right i saw do you guys still do the workshops yeah was a workshop. we do we have a make your own bourbon workshop we started that almost three years ago we suspend it during the summer months just because it is too hot for people normally in the distillery but you actually come in and get hands-on with the equipment then you go home with a small barrel of unaged bourbon. It's a fun workshop. It's four to five hours on a Saturday morning. Yeah. And uh, it's since we started, we've pushed four to 500 people through that workshop. Oh, that's too and cool. And it's been, it's been really, really a good time. I mean, that's the thing. I've done uh, the brew thing with a friend here in town. Right. Over and, at Flying Barrel. Yeah, over at Flying Barrel. And, yeah, uh, that's a great place to go. I mean, it's and they do a really cool workshop there. They, uh, they make your own beer. Well, it feels like an adult chemistry thing. Exactly. That's what it is. And then you get like a really great – so actually, let me ask you functionally because with that, the weird part of that is you have that – you talk about it, You have that, that, that little block of mourning. Mm-hmm. But with them – you then leave it there because it's a beer. It's like you right. come. All right, we'll see you back in one month. Is there with that? <laughs> oh, with yeah, so what we do is so we do all the different stages. So yeah. you, you know you're, we're going to mash, and then you'll see the fermentation running the still. So you might not get the exact same thing you mash, but you that day go home with your product in your barrel. Oh, all so, one day. Yeah, so that you can then age it at home. Oh, cool. So and, you can just and then, and then you decide when you're ready to drink it. Right. It's a two liter barrel, so we generally suggest eight to twelve weeks. But you know people have pulled it at four weeks. People can leave it in there for. Four months, five months. So yeah. it really just depends. Oh, that's too cool. So you can barrel age in your house. Yes. So I'm barrel aging right over there. That's exactly right. <laughs> Put it on the mantle. And then, you know, you can use that barrel subsequently for, you know, aging other things. You can take some white rum afterwards and barrel age that in your, you know, use bourbon barrel to give you a bourbon barrel aged rum. You can age cocktails finally in there. Oh, really? So you can do, age like a Manhattan or an old fashioned in a barrel. So you can, it, the barrel is versatile. That's afterwards. too cool. So you're a big fan of like being a. Is it sounds like you're also into people like trying this stuff out and doing it at home? Yeah, I'm, I, I actually, I'm a, yeah, I'm a big. I like people to understand what they're drinking. That's why I, I really do enjoy the aspect of tastings as well mm-hmm. because I don't like to sell somebody something if they haven't tried it. I really want people to to try it and understand what they're drinking and then only buy it if they like it. I do have to mention another thing because I saw it at your store. You were talking. You have a, a veteran supporting drink, don't you? Oh, so yeah, we are doing military-themed whiskeys this year. Since I'm a disabled vet, we're doing one whiskey for each branch of service. So Rifle Rye is already out. And that's our Army whiskey. We're doing a Wardroom whiskey for the Navy, mm-hmm. Bomber Bourbon for the Air Force, and Gunny's Grenade for the Marine Corps. Yeah. Uh, so those are all coming out in 375 milliliter bottles this year, and then some of the proceeds are going to help disabled veterans. So plus, we also give veterans a discount every day. Were you worried at all that Rifle Rye was going to be the best alliteration you'd get? Well, so I did them all at once. So that's <laughs> oh, why that's why Rifle Rye, Wardroom whiskey, Bomber Bourbon. The, the uh, I, I'm a big all of our flavored vodkas save one or have all that alliteration. So we have. Yeah. Medieval mint, longbow lemon, chainmail cherry, yeah. basilisk bourbon. We we try. It's 
That's just my thing. Have you ever given up on a flavor? We're like, we can't figure out how to alliterate. Almost. Throw it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Almost. I've, I've come close a couple of times. <laughs> That's got to be one of the fun parts of naming it and then it, sharing it, it out to the it, world. It is actually fun. And, and doing the, the labels, the logo, I mean, graphic design on the labels and all that, that's that's really fun aspect as well. Is there anything in particular looking forward to getting into with the expansion and everything? What's your big dream? Honestly, uh, right now, we really want to – the cans are exploding for us. We really want to see those in more locations. It's just trying to keep up with the demand at this yeah. point. It's sort of hard. I'm very excited about the, the craft cocktail lounge. Yeah. Uh, I think with – you know, we're not going to be an axe-throwing venue, but we have a couple lanes for axe-throwing, the board game libraries. It's just going to be a fun place for people to come out. Hang out with your friends, play yeah. some games, and have fun. That sounds like so much fun. That is awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Mark. Oh, hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate getting to sit down and talk with you this afternoon. It was great. Yeah, and uh, I end every interview with the exact same question. Now, you can go as big or as little with this as you want. What are you looking forward to? What are you most excited about? Personally, my youngest daughter is due to give birth in November, so we're going to be grandparents for the first time, so I'm very, oh. very excited about that. Congrats. Well, thank you. And then professionally, I'm just very excited about the Dragon's Den. I think mm-hmm. this is going to be a game changer for us. I, I think it's going to allow a lot more people in Frederick to come out and really see who we are and what we do. Well, so. there we go. Congratulations. Have a great day. Thank you very much. You as well.